0: looking into Luke's Gospel one more time or another time. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. There's been a transition from the ministry of John the Baptist to now the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that he was as it were, devoted, dedicated, anointed to his ministry at the baptism there in the Jordan River. And Luke ends this chapter with a genealogy of the Lord Jesus. A couple of our men this afternoon very aptly read Matthew's Genealogy of Jesus, Chapter 1, he opens his gospel with the genealogy or the generation of Jesus Christ. What a difference. You have the generation of Adam that begins, well, after the fall, but chapter 5 of Genesis, and the New Testament begins with the generation of the second Adam of the Lord Jesus. And so Luke after the baptism of Jesus, the record of the triune God being together there, Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and the Father's voice from heaven, the same booming voice as it were from Mount Sinai, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Luke continues with his genealogy, of Jesus. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. The idea there is not just beginning about 30 but the idea is he began his ministry at about 30 years of age. Give or take some months, in other words, he's not he's saying he may have been 29 and a half and he may have been 30 and a half. Being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Mathat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Janna, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Mattathias, which was the son of Amos, which was the son of Nahum, which was the son of Esli, which was the son of Nagi which was the son of Meth, which was the son of Mattathias, which was the son of Semai, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joanna, which was the son of Resa, which was the son of Zerubbabel, which was the son of Selatheia, which was the son of Neri, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Ade, which was the son of Kosam. Which was the son of Elmodam, which was the son of Er, which was the son of Josie, which was the son of Eleazar, which was the son of Joram, which was the son of Mathat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Simeon, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Jonan, which was the son of Eliakim, which was the son of Meleah. Which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Matapha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David, which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Salmon, which was the son of Nahasim, which was the son of Aminadab, which was the son of Aram, which was the son of Esram, which was the son of Pheraz, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Pera, which was the son of Nacor, which was the son of Saruk, which was the son of Ragael, which was the son of Phalak, which was the son of Heber, which was the son of Selah, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxed, which was the son of Sem which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Mahalalel, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. This has been a reading of God's word, a genealogy of God's Word, a genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. A teacher was preparing public speakers on the skills of communication, especially uh, how to read God's Word publicly. One student was especially loud and somewhat annoying, and upon the subject of the day of the dramatic reading of the scriptures, he was assigning different passages to all the students. And to this one particular loud, vociferous, kind of abrasive individual, he assigned the genealogy. (laughs) Is that you, brother? And no, it was not me which is, by the way, why I read the genealogy before I told this story. Because the instructor actually said that that student prepared very well to read this genealogy of Jesus. And he said he had him and his fellow classmates on the edge of their seats. He read so reverently and so well. This was God's word. And as it were, every name, 77 names are in this particular genealogy of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. I think about 41 names in Matthew's genealogy because Matthew goes back to Abraham, where Luke goes all the way back to Adam. But he said he did very well. We have to remember that genealogies are a genre in God's Word. We ought not to skip over them. And it's so easy to do so when we're in uh, Chronicles or we're in uh, the book of Numbers or we're in the book of Matthew or Luke. Isn't it interesting how the Lord put a genealogy right away in the New Testament? So we have to skip over the very first part of the New Testament if we skip over genealogies. But I remind us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, perfected, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so the challenge would be, okay, what's the doctrine in the genealogy? What's the reproof? What's the correction? What's the instruction in righteousness uh, as we live our lives? Well, I'm going to try to to see those four aspects of the, the profiting of God's word in this particular genealogy and also to include somewhat the genealogy found in the very first chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Let's look at this. uh, Let's look at the difference, for instance, before we look at some of the doctrine of the genealogy, Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, and we're looking for gems in the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham and ends with Jesus, where Luke's genealogy begins with Jesus, and goes all the way, not only to Adam, all the way to God. There are five women in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, if you include Mary. And the interesting thing to me is Luke, was, which is what some, some call the woman's journal in the Gospels, he mentions a lot of women in his Gospels. Remember, early on, he's, he, he mentions Elizabeth and Mary and Anna. And we find quite a few women in Luke's gospel. Yet it's Mary, or I'm sorry, it's Matthew that includes five women. And some are Gentiles in the genealogy of Jesus. He has uh, Tamar. We don't know if she was a Gentile or a Jew, but Tamar, Rahab, we know was a Gentile. Ruth, the Moabitess. Bathsheba, although she's not mentioned, she's inferred when Matthew speaks of her that had been the, the wife of Uriah, and then of course Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's very clear that Matthew and Luke indicate the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew takes us through Solomon, David's son, where Luke mentions Nathan, David's son. Matthew's gospel begins with a genealogy and is in the section of the birth narrative of Jesus, where Luke's genealogy is between Jesus' baptism and Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. I do believe there's some strategy to that. And again, like I said, the virgin birth is focused where in Matthew it says Jesus was born of Mary and in Luke, Joseph was supposed to be the father of Jesus. So we have these family trees, and family trees are popular it seems of late. Family roots, family Reality, the providence of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Is clearly indicated by the fact that he's 30 years old, roughly 30 years old, when he begins his ministry. And isn't it interesting that we have a prophet that is said to have been anointed. Elisha. We have a prophet, Ezekiel, who's said to be 30 years old. We have a priest, Aaron and his sons, Numbers 4, saying that they were to start their ministry and they were anointed at 30 years old. And we have a king, David, who is said to have begun his his kingly reign at the age of 30. 2 Samuel 5, verse 4. And of course, he was anointed early on by Samuel. So you have the records of prophets, priests, and kings being anointed and having their ministry, as it were, begin at the age of 30. Is that a coincidence that Jesus was anointed and he began his ministry about the age of 30? He is the anointed prophet, priest, and king. And the association of the age of 30 with Ezekiel, Aaron, and David indicate that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah literally is the anointed one, the Christ. And Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. The genealogy indicates that fact. It takes us to David, the king, who's mentioned in Matthew's gospel. Jesus is truly the prophet, priest, and king. The genealogy mentions its doctrine that Jesus is a real person. Over and over, he's the son of, the son of, the son of. Now, in the genealogy, in the Greek, you just have of Mary, of David, of Abraham, of Noah, but they have to supply son So it could be uh, father of or grandson of. There are a few kings that are missing, especially apostate kings in some of these genealogies if you compare them. But you have here the backwards genealogy, Jesus being virgin born and supposedly or commonly thought to be the son of Joseph. But he is indeed the promised Jewish Messiah. He was a real person, taking us all the way back to the first man that was created, Adam. So Jesus is a real person. Jesus was virgin born. The miracle that indicated who the Messiah was. Very clearly in Matthew's gospel, the of whom was born, Jesus, is a feminine, referring to Mary and not to a man. Jesus is the promised Jewish Messiah. Matthew takes us to Abraham, and Matthew is writing to a primarily Jewish readership. This is God's power to maintain the line of descent all the way to Jesus, the Messiah. He is indeed a Jew. He is the God-Jew as well as the God-man. Jesus is the second Adam, the seed of the woman. The baptism identified himself with us while others were coming to repent of their sins and to be baptized to indicate their repentance. (coughs) Jesus picked a time when they were all coming and he identified himself with sinners by being baptized with other sinners. Not that he was a sinner, but that he had come to bear our sins. And so the baptism of Jesus identified himself as the second Adam, the man from above. And Luke places his genealogy between his baptism, his identification with sinners as the second Adam. And is it a coincidence that the temptation of Jesus appears immediately after his identification as the second Adam. What happened to Adam after he was created and Eve was brought to him? He immediately was tempted by the devil. And so you have the second Adam immediately being tempted after he was brought to the fore. But Adam had a garden. Jesus had a wilderness. Adam fell, but Jesus stood. Adam had angels to withstand him after his fall. Jesus had angels to minister to him because he stayed standing. So we have the fall of man in Genesis and we have the standing of man in Luke, in the Gospels. Jesus is truly the Son of God and the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world, not just the Savior of the Jews. Luke wants us to understand that. He takes us all the way back to Adam. He takes us behind, before the Jews, before Abraham. He takes us to Noah. He takes us to Adam. Jesus is the Savior of Gentiles. Matthew's genealogy indicates he's the Savior of the Jews. He is He is a descendant of Abraham. But Matthew doesn't want us to fail to understand that Jesus also is a savior of the Gentiles. He places women and Gentile women in the genealogy. You would have thought that Luke would have had the women in his genealogy, but Matthew does. This is Matthew saying he's not just the savior of the Jews. He's speaking to Jews and he doesn't mind offending the Jewish readership by placing Rahab, by placing Ruth in his genealogy. That would would be to the unbelieving Jew, like when Jesus said that there were many lepers in the days of Elisha. And not one Jewish leper was healed, but a Gentile, Naaman the Syrian. And remember he said about the widow in Sarapta, there were many widows in the days of Elijah the prophet, but only one widow was reached And it was a Gentile widow. And they wanted to cast Jesus down from the, the pinnacle of the temple. And so both Matthew and Mark indicate that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is. And the genealogy indicates that. And so there is doctrine in genealogy. Jesus is the mediator. He's the son of Adam in Luke's Gospel but he's also the son of God in Luke's gospel. Do you, understand, do, you, do you wonder why Luke doesn't just stop at Adam? He says he's the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Is there a double meaning between, uh, by son of God? Is he saying Adam was a direct creation of God? So he's a son of God. Or is Luke wanting us to understand Jesus is more than a man. He's the son of God. So he can accomplish, excuse me, two truths with that one statement. Isn't it amazing how truth can be taught, even in a genealogy? Jesus is both God and man, so he is the mediator between God and man. What doctrine, what gems about Jesus in his genealogy? He's the Messiah. He's a real person. He's virgin-born. He's the promised Jewish Messiah. He is the second Adam. He is the Savior of the world. He is the only mediator between God and men. Yes, you can understand that teaching from this genealogy. So the reproof. We're convicted if we don't read the genealogy. We miss truth, that can be underlined, that can be reemphasized. Genealogies are helpful. The minor prophets who are neglected are helpful. You know, when I get to heaven, I don't want to say to Hosea, "I didn't read your book." or Joel or Amos, or especially Habakkuk. We want to see our brothers and say thank you for the effort that you made to preach the gospel to read or or to to write these these, uh, books, to sacrifice your lives for our sake, who profited from your ministries. The whole Bible is worth reading through. Let's not neglect the whole Bible. Let's read through our Bibles as often as we can. The challenge is to read once a year, it could be two, once every two years. But I, my, my hope, my prayer for all of our readers and for all of our listeners and for all of us here in church, that none of us will get to heaven and have to, have to sheepishly say to one of the Bible writers, we never read your book. Amen. Amen. How about that little book that Paul wrote to Philemon? How about those one chapter books in the Bible, like Obadiah? You know, we have a minister that just named their they named her son Obadiah. Isn't that sweet? Obi. Yes, Obi. So we should be reproved if we've never read the genealogies. You know what has helped me to to to, to have the gene when I read a genealogy to have the to have it. In, in large print and just take my time and look for some, some oasises sometimes. You know who's in the middle of a genealogy? The guy the Jabez. Oh. <clears throat> Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Poor Jabez, his name means sorrowful. Perhaps there was a sorrowful incident at his birth. Maybe his mother passed away bearing him. Maybe there was a tragedy in the family. But here's Jabez in the middle of the genealogy and it says he was more honorable than his brethren and this is his prayer if I can remember uh, Oh that thou, wilt bless, me. Oh, that thou wilt bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thy hand would be with me and that thou keep me from the evil that it me not. And the Lord granted him his request. That's th- like the Lord's prayer. Lord, lead me not into evil. Deliver me from evil. Here was Jesus in his heart. Here was Christ in his heart. Our correction, again, we correct the reproof is that we haven't read the genealogies as delightful as other passages. When it's God's word, it shows us that God is a God of order, that God remembers but the correction is we should read the genealogies. We should read books that are neglected like Ecclesiastes and the Minor Prophets. And remember all scripture is profitable. And the instruction is we're included in the number. Isn't there a universal application to the genealogies? We're included in the number. We are, as it were, descendants of the Savior. We are in the line of his people. We are numbered among his own. God will never pass over us. God remembers. He will not forget his own. Reading the genealogies may not have a dramatic effect on us, but their study should reveal some dramatic things that bolster our faith and cause us to glorify God. Humanity is not all that old, we learn from the genealogy. Only 77 names are mentioned. Oh, there may have been others that are not included. But it's not that long ago that Adam was created. And it's only been a couple thousand years. It seemed, may, may seem long to us, but Jesus walked on this earth not long ago. God keeps records. Couldn't be a terrifying. Or a comforting truth. God keeps records. You can't hide from God. You can't hide your sins from the Lord. But you can have your sins removed by the blood of Jesus. Where God will remember them no more. The memories of deceased saints and sinners. You read through this and you thank the Lord for some that are in the record. But you lament for others that perished in their sins. Yet God kept the line of the Messiah. We read and we realize that all of these people passed away. (coughs) We live in a fallen world of graveyards, hospitals, war fields that attest to it. Being at that graveside yesterday, seeing all those stones all those graves you long for the new heavens and the new earth these genealogies Matthews especially tell us that women are precious citizens in the kingdom of God and so the challenge comes what will be our legacy will our names be written are our names written in the book of life What memory will emerge when people read about our names after we've been gone? Will they say that Jesus was that person's savior? Will they say that they were in the kingdom of God? That they pointed people to Jesus? Or will they say that they were religious, but they were lost? Gems from the genealogies of Jesus. Our Father, thank you for these categories in your word. Help us to benefit from the genealogies, from the parables, from the proverbs, from the epistles, from the apocalyptic literature, from the gospels, the prophets. Oh, Lord, thank you for the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, the Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles and the book of Revelation. Lord, you have given us treasures, treasure of your word. Lord Jesus, we believe you are the Son of God and the Savior of the world, that you are God and man. We thank thee for including us in the number. We're part of the genealogy of the saints. Oh, please help us to live in such a way that we'll glorify you and point others to you and leave a legacy of godliness when you take us home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me to hymn number 625. 625.